Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. Brilliant. Thanks, Ruth. Great to see uh, people taking part in our service. And uh, it's an important part we have in reading the Bible, and that's helped us also set up our passage today, uh, going through the book of Genesis and um, seeing the beginnings, the beginnings of salvation, the beginnings of God. Not, sorry, not the beginnings of God, the beginnings of God working in mankind, uh, creating the world. Uh, God never begun. God's always existed. So let me correct myself there before I get anybody sending me an email this week. Uh, but we are seeing Genesis here, the beginnings of salvation, the beginnings of God's plans being worked out through the world for his purposes, to glorify himself and to uh, rescue and save uh, mankind. Uh, just to help set the scene for where we're going today with that passage, um, how often, how often have we seen sporting stars put up into advertising campaigns to promote products with the power of their fame? Uh, you'll get a cricketer or you'll get a footballer promoting their pro- uh, their product or some company's product, and you'll just see sales skyrocket. People just get on board. It's amazing how we're drawn though to superstars up there because we think. Their success, their power and their popularity will help send this product to the top. And if we're honest, it does. I mean, these famous people get on and they hold up a watch or a deodorant or whatever and everybody wants to buy it. Stars sell product. People are dazzled by these beautiful people, these famous people who are promoting the product. That's not, though, how God works with his plans. That's not, though, how God works with actually carrying out his purposes for salvation. God chooses the least and the lowest to bring about his glorious salvation plans and sovereign purposes. Let me just follow on where Ruth has read now. We're going to go to uh, Genesis chapter 29, verse 31. So uh, follow with me. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son, and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. And she conceived and bore a son, and said, Now this time my husband will be attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. And then she conceived again and bore another son and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she ceased bearing. When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. She said to Jacob, Give me children or I shall die. Jacob's Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, Am I in the place of God? Who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Then she said, Here's my servant Bilhah, go into her, so that she may give birth on my behalf, that even I may have children through her. So she gave him her servant Bilhah as a wife, and Jacob went into her, and Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged me, and has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan. Rachel's servant Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. And then Rachel said, With mighty wrestlings I have prevailed with my sister and have prevailed, so she she called his name Naphtali. 
When Leah saw that she had ceased bearing children, she took her servant Zilphar and gave it to Jacob as a wife. And Leah's servant Zilphar bore Jacob a son. And Leah said, Good fortune has come. So she called his name Gad. Leah's servant Zilphar bore Jacob a second son. And Leah said, Happy am I, for women have called me happy. So she called his name Asher. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the ability to come today and to open up your word. I ask and pray now that, Holy Spirit, you would come and begin to stir in our hearts what God is doing here in the book of Genesis, what God is doing here in the life of Jacob and Leah and Rachel. And more particularly, Lord, today we want to look at the life of Leah in the midst of all this, Father. We see Leah in this passage here, a lady, young woman, Lord, rejected, rejected by her father, rejected by her husband, and rejected by her sister in this passage. So, Lord, we pray today, help us to see what you're doing in the life of Leah and what you're doing through her life, Lord, to carry out your sovereign salvation plans. And through that, Lord, I pray that you would grow grace in our hearts to love and worship you and to uh, praise your holy name. Uh, Lord, we ask that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're picking up the story of Genesis here where God is fulfilling his salvation plans to rescue uh, a fallen and broken humanity. Uh, God's salvation plans are there for us so that he's to show us his glory and his divine wisdom and all that he does. God's doing this out of love uh, to restore a rebellious humanity who have rebelled against him and his rule over their lives. And what we continue to see time and time again in the Bible uh, are humanity's flaws and failures. We sin by uh, by uh, failing to follow God's ways for our lives and just going our own path. But what we also see in this, though, is this. God's incredible patience with us and his sovereign purpose is being worked out through our failings and through our flaws. It's a great picture of who God is. Uh, incredibly patient and incredibly wise and uses all these things to carry out his salvation plans. Genesis 29 and 30, where we are today, is no exception to this rule. God takes and uses a broken and rejected person in Leah to play an important part in his sovereign salvation plans. And today, as we look at the life of Leah, here's the big idea that we're going to think about with her. God sees and listens to the brokenhearted, and he carries out his plans through the least likely to be used. We're going to see that today as we think about Leah and look at the life uh, that she has. Okay, if we follow on this story of Jacob, uh, last week, two weeks ago, thanks to Steve for sharing with us last week, but two weeks ago uh, there was a whole deception going on with stealing the birthright and uh, Jacob's actually had to flee for his life because Esau, the brother, wanted to kill him. Uh, he's now on the run, or he's on the move at least, uh, to Uncle Laban to find a wife. And when I sort of read that again this week, it reminded me of the TV show we watched a little bit a few weeks ago, Farmer Finds a Wife. A uh, bit like that with sort of Jacob today. He's going off to find himself a wife. Jacob spent a month on the road and he's now arrived at Paddan Haran, uh, a land in the east. And Jacob comes across this well here with these sheep, these flocks of sheep are being watered at this well. And Rachel, the daughter of Uncle Laban, just happens to be at this well as Jacob arrives. Now, I would say that's God's providence in ordaining all these things to take place. Rachel's here and this is Uncle Laban's daughter. 
Jacob tells Rachel that he's the son of Rebekah, her father's sister, living a month's journey away. Uh, Rachel brings Jacob to meet Uncle Laban and there's this beautiful reunion between all and very affectionate there as they hug and as they emotionally come together to uh, meet their long-lost cousin and nephew. Uh, Laban says, hey, you can work for me. You better to work for me than work for somebody else because you're flesh and blood. Come and stay with me, come and work with me and I'll pay you a good price. Jacob says, look, here's my wages that I would like. I'd like to marry your younger daughter Rachel as payment. And Laban agrees with that. Well, hang on, here's the deal. Seven years, seven years working for me and you can have Rachel as your wife and that'll be payment. Laban has two daughters though. He has uh, Leah, who's the older daughter, and Rachel, who we've just heard about, the younger daughter. And we're told a few descriptive details here about Leah and Rachel as well. In Genesis 29:70, which is important for us to sort of understand what's happening here, it says there that Leah's eyes were weak And in the words of the Genesis there, it says she was beautiful in form and appearance. Let me put that to you in today's language. Rachel was drop-dead gorgeous. Leah was weak in her eyes and Rachel is drop-dead gorgeous. Now what the Bible is likely saying to us in that verse is this. Leah had some sort of defect with her eyes. Something about her eyes which could have been, she could have been cross-eyed or something like that. But what the Bible's trying to communicate to us there in that, in comparison to Rachel, Leah looks ugly. Rachel's like this princess and Leah is like this ugly duckling. The story moves on. Jacob serves these seven years, as the word tells us there before, it seemed like just a few days because he was so besotted with Rachel. The wedding arrives. The big day has come. They have this massive feast. The wine is flowing freely. At the end of the night, Jacob retires to his tent, probably a little drunk, no doubt, with all that wine flowing, and he's waiting for his bride. In those days, it was customary for him to go to the tent and then the bride will be brought to him for the wedding night. In the meantime, though, Uncle Laban has swapped Rachel for Leah. That wasn't the plan in Jacob's mind, but it was certainly the plan in uh, Uncle Laban's mind. Because Jacob is so drunk, he's got no idea who he's sleeping with. He wakes in the morning with horror and shock. It's Leah. He was hopefully hoping to find it was going to be Rachel lying beside him and not Leah. He's been deceived. I could say here this is a bit of deja vu. Jacob, you're just actually eating some of your own pie that you created a few months ago or seven years ago with your family. He complains to Laban. Hey, I served you for Rachel. What the heck have you done? Laban says, oh, you do another seven years and then I'll give you Rachel. Well, he gets Rachel within the week, but he's got to do another seven years beyond that. So where do we find Jacob then at this stage? He's married two sisters. The older is an ugly duckling and the younger is a princess. The balance of chapters 29 and 30 then reveal to us the birth of the 12 tribes of Israel through children that are born to Leah and her servant and also Rachel and her servant as well. But today as we pick this up, I want us to look a bit more at Leah, perhaps an often forgotten character here in this story, but one that we'll see God is really using for his purposes here and God blesses her amazingly despite the situation she's in. Because you see, Leah is both a victim of really harsh treatment 
And she's also a broken person looking in all the wrong places for love and acceptance. In a very real way, Leah is the girl nobody wanted. Leah's the girl that nobody wanted. Firstly, her father probably probably considered Leah a problem for him. How will I ever get this ugly girl married off? How will I ever actually be able to get her out of my family, out of my household? What does Laban do? He uses Leah in a game of deception to solve his problem. He deceives Jacob by subbing out Rachel and bringing in Leah. I think Laban's probably real happy at this point in time to have Leah off his hands. Can you imagine how Leah would have felt with all this happening with her dad at that time? She probably would have felt uncared for. Maybe I'm just a nuisance for him and that's why he did all this. Secondly, uh, Leah is unloved by her husband, Jacob. Look with me in Genesis 29, 30 and 31. So Jacob went into Rachel also. And he loved Rachel more than Leah. This is after the marriage of Rachel. He loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served Laban for another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her room, but Rachel was barren. Now you might be asking, what's going on? Multiple wives. Polygamous marriages back then were allowed to take place. But I'm going to say, what a disaster for the wives in a polygamous marriage or a multi-marriage. Can you imagine the competition between the wives? Can you imagine the bickering between the wives? Can you imagine that the bitterness between the wives? So how do you think Leah would have felt in this marriage here where Jacob's loving Rachel, but he's not loving Leah? How would she feel? Answer? Rejected. Rejected. Jacob didn't love her. All he wanted was Rachel. Leah was now something that Jacob just sort of had to put up with. Thirdly, Leah is the victim of jealousy from Rachel as well. Look in Genesis 30 verse 1. When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. She said to Jacob, give me children or I'll die. Rachel looks across here at ugly Leah and is filled with bitterness and she's filled with jealousy. She wanted what Leah had, children. But she had no children. How do you think Leah felt here about her sister at this particular time? Answer, rejected. She wouldn't feel nothing but rejection from Rachel because Rachel didn't like her. She was jealous of her. This is Leah. This is the girl that nobody wants. Her father, her husband and her sister really don't want Leah around. They don't really want her in their lives. But Leah's not not only suffering from rejection there as well, Leah's a broken person too. She's not living as God has intended her to live in this situation. She's desperately looking for love and acceptance and identity to fulfill her, but she's looking for that in all the wrong places. Look at how Leah responds here as she has these children that God graciously gives her. Firstly, in Genesis 29.32, She says, for now my husband will love me. And in verse 34, she says this time, now this time my husband will be attached to me. And Genesis 30 verse 20, now my husband will honor me because I've borne him these six sons. Now, 
please don't misunderstand me here when I say this. It's not wrong to desire to have a loving husband. That's totally natural. Nobody goes into a relationship, particularly in marriage, thinking, oh, I don't care if he loves me or not. No, it's totally right that we want to go into a marriage where love is, is the foundation we build that relationship on. But with Leah, though, there's a very real sense that she's trying to find her life and identity in marriage, in relationship. If only Jacob would just love me, then my life would be complete. If I can just please him and bear another son, then he would accept me and love me. And with this love, I'll find a sense of meaning and purpose in my life because I've got this ultimate relationship now and this great marriage that I've got. Now, maybe you're checking in with that and saying, yeah, I can identify that today because that's sort of where I've been looking for identity in life. And maybe this is the first time you've been on the live stream with us here and you're thinking, yeah, I think you're somewhat talking about me. I've I've felt rejected all my life and I'm just looking for someone to love me to find my self-worth and to find my identity in life. Perhaps you've been through multiple relationships and you feel used and abused, but you keep going back to these relationships looking for that identity. Or sometimes you might look at that person over there. You might look at that family over there and think, if only I could be like them, if only I could be like that person, then I would be fulfilled. Then I would find my identity. If only I could have what they've got, then I'd be happy. It's as though... Meaning and purpose in life is found in having that perfect relationship that I can find. If I can just find that, then I'll be happy. Isn't that something that people are striving for in this world? From time to time I get on social media, uh, I have a look around and uh, I see some of these posts come up and often see these young ladies and sometimes young men. And it looks like they're selling themselves, as it were, to get noticed. Putting up these posts, sometimes young ladies, they'll mean these skimpy little outfits, desperately trying to attract attention. Will somebody please look at me? Will somebody please notice me? Will somebody please like my photo? And we're hoping from there that maybe we might just find this uh, relationship where I can find Mr. Perfect or Miss Perfect that somehow I'll be able to connect with that person. If I can just find him or her and be treated like a king or a queen, well, that will be life for me. I've made it. I've found out what I've been created for, to have this perfect relationship. God didn't create relationship with others to be the ultimate for us in life. Relationships with other people isn't the meaning of life for us. But this is somewhat what Leah is doing. And she's discovered something here in maybe perhaps looking for a relationship to fulfill her. She's discovered this. Mr. Perfect doesn't exist. He's not out there. And neither is Miss Perfect. She's not out there either. Even in this story, even beautiful, gorgeous Rachel pushes Jacob's angry buttons by saying, give me children or I die. And even if we just stop there for a second, then, well, Rachel's got issues too. She thinks life's all about kids. But anyway, she goes to Jacob with this beautiful, gorgeous Rachel, who's supposedly Miss Perfect to look at. And Jacob says, hey, his anger's kindled. So that's not a perfect relationship either. They just don't exist. You see, all these responses come from sinful, 
fallen, broken people. We've left God out of the picture. We've gone our own way. We're thinking it's all about relationship, perhaps in this case. And the moment we leave God out of the picture, we're on the path to bitterness, rejection and despair. Life's not centred around God. And this is where we find Leah. She's the girl that nobody wants. She's a victim of rejection and she's also pursuing ultimate love and acceptance in all the wrong places, in all the wrong places. You see, the love and acceptance that Leah is looking for can only be found in God. That's why we were created, to find our life in God, to find our centre of being in him alone. And actually, Leah does discover this in God. In her world of brokenness, God comes, picks her up, and restores her, even in the middle of these challenging and desperate circumstances that she's in. Look in Genesis 29:31. there. She's going through some dramas, and we see these glorious words, The Lord saw Leah. The Lord saw Leah. Isn't that a wonderful picture? Rejected and alone. Leah sits there in despair, but God sees her. God sees her in the middle of this rejection and despair. God sees her. If we move on a bit further, we see God's marvellous grace again in Leah's life. In Genesis 29, 33, we hear these words. The Lord has heard that I'm hated. In those deep, lonely cries in the middle of the night, perhaps Leah was sobbing. Perhaps Leah was lying in a tent knowing that tonight Jacob was sleeping with Rachel and she was isolated and alone again, all out there, feeling all this rejection. She then realized, no, the Lord has heard. He hears my cries. He sees the pain in my heart. He knows what's going on. He sees all the details that have taken place in my life. And when I think about that, I get this picture that comes to my mind here. It's, it's the picture of a little girl who's been at school and she's been picked on all day at the school. She's been isolated. She's been ostracized. She's been picked on. Everybody's called her names. And sadly, at the end of that day at school, she walks to the school gate and she sees her father there to pick her up from school. And she knows her father. It's a father who loves her. It's a father who cares for her. And it's a father who's got an open ear to hear of all the troubles that she's had that day. This is the same picture that I get here is with God, with Leah. Because this is the God that Leah has now discovered. She's just discovered a God who hears and sees what she's going through. And actually we pick this up because each time uh, Leah is blessed with a child, there's a name that's given to this child that indicates where her heart is at. Reuben, the firstborn, uh, means vision, or I have seen, or I have been seen. That's why Leah calls him Reuben. Simeon, the second son, means hearing. Leah says, I've been heard. My cries have been heard. And then when Leah has another son further down the track, she names this son Judah. What does Judah mean? Judah means to praise the Lord. What's happening to Leah here as she's going through these circumstances, as she's going through these challenges, and she's having these children, she's getting a revelation here. 
She's discovered a God who hears and she's discovered a God who sees exactly where her life is at. The God who knows, the God who sees every circumstance and situation she's been through. She's meeting a God who meets her in the middle of her pain and her rejection. And by the time she gets to Judah and she's getting this sort of progressive, this unfolding revelation of who God is, and she develops this relationship now with God, her heart wants to leap with praise. Judah, praise the Lord. And she discovers the God who's met her in the middle of this pain. Her life has turned around in that sense. Now, but as we think about that, did life's circumstances change for Leah at this point? Did everything just all of a sudden become rosy and new? She's had Judah and she's got this revelation that praise the Lord. Did everything just become all brand new? No, not really. She still had an unloving husband and she still had a very jealous sister. Those things hadn't changed. That still rejection was still happening. But now Leah has a whole new attitude. She's got a new state of mind. She knows a God who is with her during the pain and the rejection, a God who sees her, a God who hears her. She knows a God who loves her despite what anybody else says about her or does to her. She's got a God who loves her and accepts her just the way she is. Lee has discovered the meaning of life, God. So that no matter what's happening around her, with this purpose and meaning of life discovered in God, she has this strong hope and anchor that will hold her in the darkest of days of rejection or jealousy. And not only does God reveal himself to her in this way, God blesses her abundantly with giving birth to six of Jacob's sons. If you follow the story through, Rachel only had two children. Leah has six. And in that day and that culture, that's an amazing blessing and honour to have sons, and particularly six sons. If we think about it in the context of what is happening in 29 and 30, she's giving birth to half of the tribes of Israel. And plus with her servant Zilhar, I think it was, she gives birth to There's eight of the tribe of the Israel coming from Leah and her connections. God is gloriously generous here to Leah at this time. A generous God blessing her. And not only that, that Leah is giving the blessing that through her third-born son Judah, praise the Lord, that this would be the tribe where ultimately the, the, that the line of the tribe of Judah would come, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. What a blessing that Leah can look back on, that she gave birth to the Messiah through her family line. Wonderful the way God is meeting her in the middle of her pain and uh, despair. But what else is God doing here in this family as we think about this story from Genesis 29 and 30? Well, let me ask you this question. If you were going to make grand plans to, to make a show of yourself as somebody fantastic and somebody great and you wanted to choose some actors to take part in this grand plan to make yourself look fantastic, who would you choose? Who would you choose? Before you, you've got beautiful, gorgeous, stunning Rachel on stage. And right alongside her, you've got ordinary, unattractive Leah. Who would you choose out of those two to make yourself look great and fulfill your plans and to make you uh, your purposes just look fantastic? Which one would it be out of those two? I know who the world would choose. They choose beautiful, stunning Rachel to take part in that show. 
The world uses the bold, the beautiful and the confident. The world uses the successful. People to go and strut their stuff and, you know, for us to follow after. That's who the world uses. If you want to sell and promote things, you go for the successful, the powerful and the attractive ones. Isn't that what they always do? If, you know, I want to be like that person. If I could just wear a watch like that person or have my hair coloured like that person or wear, if I could just be like that person, we emulate that. We want to be that. The world uses that. But what does God do? In his sovereign salvation plans, who does he choose to bring the promised blessing of the Messiah through? God chooses ugly, unattractive Leah. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that show us the wonder and the divine wisdom of God? Doesn't that show us here where God's wisdom blows away and defies man's limited understanding? God confounds the wisdom of this world to choose weak people to make himself look glorious and to bless these weak people as they take a part in God's salvation's plans. It's a wonderful picture of who God is. He takes the least and the lowly. Look at this passage here with me in 1 Corinthians as we think about that in God's wisdom here. Verse 26, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You see, here's the picture. God isn't impressed by our power, our position, or our prestige. God isn't impressed by our confidence, our courage, and our coolness. You see, God's not out there looking for the rock stars. God's not out there looking for the superstars that, you know, as though he needs them to carry out his salvation plans. God's not looking for that. He isn't drawn to that. God's not looking for the big-time personality to sell his gospel. God's not looking for that. God works with the least and the lowly. God chooses Leah to carry out his plans. And in this family, the least and the lowest. See, when you sit back and think of that, when you think about how God works, what comes to your mind? What thoughts do you have about God when you see that's the way he carries out his plans? Don't you think like this? God, that's glorious. You lift up the downcast and you pick up the broken and you raise them, as it were, out of the ash heap, out of the dust heap to carry out parts in your glorious salvation plans. You come to the ones that everybody else may reject, that the world just discards, and you bless them with beauty and salvation in Christ. You adopt them into your family. You give them an eternal inheritance, not because they're a rock star, but because they're the least 
and the lowest. And just as you finish off in Corinthians here, you can say that my only boast is Jesus Christ because I cannot boast of anything else when I come to God. It's not because of anything who I am. It's because of God and his grace in working with my life. And you see, God puts that same call out today. He's not looking for the rock stars. He's not looking for the superstars. He puts a call out for all those who are perhaps trying to be that rock star or be that superstar, trying to make a name for themselves in this world. And they're feeling left out, washed up, crushed and empty after all that striving and struggling to be somebody else in this world. Jesus just says, simply come to me. Come to me. Bring your brokenness. Bring your sin. I'll forgive you. I'll wash you. I'll cleanse you. I'll restore you. Jesus says, just be real. Just be honest. Just be humble. And I'll wash you and cleanse you and I'll restore you. Jesus, I'll give you rest for your soul. What a blessing we see in the life of Leah here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that we can come and gather around your word. Father, thank you again as we see the way you are working in the lives of people uh, in the Bible, uh, fulfilling and carrying out your plans, taking the least, taking the lowest, picking up the broken hearted, Lord, picking up the rejection of society. And Lord, in and through that, you are fulfilling your plans and raising people up. Lord, today, as we think about that, as we think about uh, how often we strive to be somebody or something in this world, pushing hard, working hard, trying to make ourselves look great on social media or somewhere else, just trying to get noticed. God, that you love us, you accept us just as we are. Everybody else may have rejected us, Lord, but you pick us up and you love us. And God, you then bring us to be a part of your salvation plans in this world. Lord, the part we get to play now is we get to glorify Christ and have other people around about us to see this wonderful God living out through our lives. God, I pray today, please help us to see that you just want us to come before you real, open, honest, humble, putting no pretenses on, Lord, and then just allowing you to work in us to reshape us and remould us. Father, thank you for the work we see in Leah. Thank you for the work that we see right throughout the Bible as we see your salvation plans come into place. Please grow our hearts today in that I ask. And Lord, we commit that to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Uh, the team's going to come back and sing a couple of songs to wrap up. Hey, if you would like to connect with us or have any questions about today's talk or about Exchange Church, please email us at info at exchangechurch.org.au and we would love to connect with you. Okay, thank you. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people to Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.